0: Welcome to the CSRG Podcast. My name is Chris.
1: My name is Keanu. This week you're listening to the unrated, unscripted, <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing edition.
0: Yeah, we're, we're sitting on
1: a porch, drinking some beers. Um, Enjoying the evening, because we've, we've had it pretty terrible the last few weeks. It's been rough, but you know, yeah. first
0: of all, you know, everybody happy 4th of July, even though it's a little bit late. Um, we did take the day off, you know, July 4th actually um, happened to be on the day we were recording. You know, we had some personal stuff come up, but...
1: You know we're back yeah I had a lot of beers to drink at my friend's farm <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so uh, we just want to give a quick shout out so um, the CSRG methodology is actually live with Shadowhawk one of the clubs that we've been working with here locally um, they're based out of West Virginia um, but we've aggregated scores um, over the past probably three four months from since March April May June April May June yeah um, so stats are up for uh, the June match and we'll continue aggregating and uh, running some beta on our methodology, as well as some of the algorithms that we're running for our ELO.
1: Yep, and, so and that w- match is uh, they're running this week. And we'll have a uh, we'll have an update on Monday, probably.
0: Yeah, and they started running 2Gun as well. So they, they run a ton of matches out there. Um, yeah. And we're just really excited to work with them. Lynn
1: and Randy do good work there.
0: Yeah. But today, um, for our podcast, I think we're going to be talking about uh, shooting fundamentals
1: and classifiers or something, something around there. So, so the key word in there is, I think. <laughs> so we don't actually know where this is going. We have no show notes. Um, we kind of decided Chris and I were at the range today, and uh, it's Wednesday evening, and it's, it's not Thursday. It is Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we usually don't record the podcast on Wednesdays. It's, almost, it's, it's always on Thursdays, or it's either pre-recorded, and we drop it on Thursday, on Thursday evening. But we were at the range, um, and Chris comes to my house with the mic stands and everything like that uh, and he just and i was like oh is that tonight <laughs> he says yeah i thought we we're gonna do that all tonight bro He's like, go oh, okay so we go we, we go to the range to practice and I, you know we do some 50 yards and like this is actually like why i thought why, why we thought it was a good idea because we ended up doing some we didn't shoot any closer than 25 uh 25 to 50 yards um, any, I you did I sh- some doubles. I shot like maybe 10, like 20-25
0: right? rounds or something in doubles, just because, um, you know, I recently put in a new trigger on my gun, um, so just trying to get a feel for it, um, in terms of what the splits look like. Oh, we'll
1: talk about the trigger in um, a minute. <laughs> yeah, but
0: again, yeah, we were shooting at twenty-five yards. Can it was you probably put what fifty, a hundred rounds out? I at put a, about
1: fifty rounds downrange at fifty yards, probably around thirty at twenty-five, and probably twenty to thirty at. 40 yards and i'm happy because i think of the entire night i think i only missed the target twice one of them was out of the 50 rounds at 50 yards and one of them was at 25 yards because i was trying to shoot faster than my sights would allow me just to see kind of how how much play i have in sight picture at 25 yards which is realistically probably a among the further ranges, I'm going to shoot in USPSA.
0: Absolutely, I think the only match we've seen it go that far was probably South Carolina. was one. Um, do
1: did we shoot beyond 25 yards at South Carolina? I think you know that long field course, the one that I, think I do like shoot maybe on. 30 yards in Tilly's match. Tilly's match. Yeah. it's not unusual to see a target past 30 yards.
0: Yeah, and you know this all comes down to shooting fundamentals, right? Mm-hmm. Marksmanship yeah. mar- uh, fundamentals, um, and it's something that I, you know. I guess our backgrounds differ in kind of where we came from shooting USPSA. Um,
1: You don't really, yeah. Yours is kind of just, you just got into guns, right? I
0: did, yeah. So pretty much the minute I started getting into guns, I started shooting USPSA. So I had very little, I guess, foundation to work off of. But, you know, Keanu was shooting high power prior.
1: Well, I started way before that. So, yeah, I I was shooting in, I started shooting when I was eight, just playing around on my uh, parents, friends. Um, like the 22s and like my friend's grandparents and like you know we would just be playing around on the range, just plinking like beer cans and stuff. Yeah. But I think when I was 12, I started shooting regularly in the Boy Scouts. Uh, I joined an air rifle league for a little bit, like doing bullseye with pellet guns. Uh-huh. It's really hard. I'm like, <laughs> it's actually kind of cool though. It's yeah. it's it's cool, but you know, big respect to people who can shoot that well because that is some serious for a. 15 or 16 year old to do that is serious Olympic level shooting mm-hmm. that they're doing to compete at the national level but um after that but when I turned 18 I started shooting high power and like the CMP grand matches and stuff like that um and and I learned so much in the span of the like the two or three years well I shot grand for three years I shot high power for two years. yeah so in the two to three years I, I shot it um, there was a lot to learn just from sight picture, um, and uh, with rifles is a little bit different because you use like um, you use your legs and your feet to kind of manage your elevation and stuff like that, and the breathing matters a lot more than you than it does in action shooting. So, like, at you know in in, in broad spectrum the the mechanics are slightly different, but in the end, at the very foundation, they're all the same. It, it's all know, about sight trigger, picture, trigger, trigger, press, pull, yeah. um, uh-huh. even sometimes just breathing, just flinching, yeah, um, stuff like that, you know, being consistent. That's that's what's going to get you far. Yeah. And My dog is talking to me. He wants to go inside.
0: <laughs> and so, you know, just to kind of, I guess, summarize, essentially, you know, all the things that, I guess, the high power matches that Keanu was shooting as well as the, the Garen CMP. Um, there's a lot of marksmanship involved. Um, for me, I started shooting probably when I was about 21, 22, um, bought a 1911 as my first gun, uh, and then pretty much started shooting single stack. Um, by the time I was able to accumulate enough money for magazines and a holster
1: for it. Um, but that you, also... You got a big head start on me for action shooting on that. Yeah,
0: but but then this... I think right now we're kind of in that place where, you know, you're, you're obviously a master class shooter at this point. Yeah. Um, but... I've gotten to where I am with very little foundation on fundamentals, trigger pull, sight picture, um, and so the fact that I'm even teetering on masterclass right now in open is kind of mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Um, the fact that I've gotten to where I am today without actually working on things like marksmanship fundamentals. <laughs>
1: yeah, and like I don't know if you do this in dry fire, but in dry fire, I, I know I've seen you do. You do a lot of speed stuff in dry fire. Yeah, like you know like most reloads, the, yeah, um, and like basic transition stuff. So in dry fire doors, for me yeah. now. I do a lot of even even though I'm not live firing, I still practice sight picture. I still practice trigger press. I still practice, I still practice like my proper stance and everything. And I'll dry fire pl- on plates at simulated twenty five to thirty yards, and then I'll shoot open USPSA or IPSC targets at a, around a simulated forty yards. Like that's normal practice. That's normal dry fire for me now. Yeah, and it's probably for me, I think the longest
0: target that I've set up, especially in the space constraint that i have yeah
1: i have a lot more space than you um, do in my basement i think
0: the furthest i can get in that second guest bedroom is probably simulated 15 15 yards probably yeah um but even then again i feel like a lot of my practice does come at least a dry fire it's mostly about getting consistent draws getting good reloads um and then essentially finding your first sight picture for me um but, so a lot
1: of it so you're practicing a lot of classifier skills These days I have, and I I
0: think I spoke about this probably you know, 14 weeks ago or whatever. Um, But a lot of the the classifier skills were the ones that I was severely lacking earlier this year. Yeah. Um, So again, like reloads was a point of contention for me. The fact you know, I'm shooting open with 170 millimeter mags. And I, am af- I was afraid to reload during s- courses of fire because of how bad my reloads were.
1: Well, you also have, have hands that are about the quarter size of a 170 millimeter and, mag,
0: so... It's tough, especially with those long, you know, mag releases and those big PT grips. Yeah,
1: but you usually start with a 170 and then you'll reload into a 155 or 140, right? Yeah, because it's easier for me. They're, they're yeah, but that mags. also makes sense because when you have 29 rounds or 30 rounds in a magazine, you, you can shoot 90% of the course of fire on a field course, mm-hmm. assuming... Assuming you get all your hits. Yeah. Um, it, and then you can just reload to a 140, and it doesn't matter at that point. It,
0: well, it shouldn't. There are definitely times where have things Have you ever run
1: out... Have you ever used, what, 55 rounds in a course of fire?
0: Um, I think on really bad steel stages I have before. Um, but again, this comes back down to marksmanship fundamentals. So, uh, the, again, the, I've, the fact that I've gotten to probably... I think I'm sitting around in 80% right now um, in my classification... With very few years on actual marksmanship training, that that has become very apparent as the biggest weak point for my shooting right now. Um, again, we, we see it at Chris Hilly's match almost every time we go. Is I'm struggling on those further shots.
1: Yeah, and I um, get you by a considerable amount on those stages.
0: It's because you know I'm throwing. I'm easily throwing mics. It's just it's not something that I'm comfortable doing. Um, but you know it also brings up a, an interesting point. You know, classifiers are very hard for me as well. To perform at a certain level, mainly because um, there's usually a lot of danger targets or hardcover targets, lots of no shoots. Um, I, was so, it? this
1: doesn't apply to classifiers like Pepper Pop or, or Paper Poppers or Like, even or can you like Count.
0: Or, you know, it's.
1: Can Count, can you usually shoot, you consistently shoot that very well. I
0: do, especially because there's very little marksmanship requirements for yeah, that. Yeah, but classifier. like
1: that or like El Prez or stuff like that. But then, like, you throw in. Like in Nuevo El Pres, you know, yeah. where they're partial <laughs> targets, the because hit factors are probably only three to four percent off, like three to four percent yeah. lower on mm-hmm. Nuevo El Perez. But I, th- I I I do think for people who who end up practicing a lot on open targets, um, like and do a lot of work with like El Perez and Can You Count and stuff like that, like those types of classifiers or those types of drills they might see they might very well see a deficiency if they don't add you know a forced a, a classifier or a drill that forces um good fundamentals
0: yeah and the sport the fact that we're shooting at targets with a zone that it will maximize points it comes down to how how accurately within a time period can you shoot right yeah, that's just hit back um, scoring and so I I, I also like to, you know, we usually see very often um, there will be shooters who are doing quite well on field courses, and will absolutely do terrible on classifiers. I was one of those shooters, and I still am. Yeah, and we see the opposite a lot too. Yeah, and you'll, you know, people who are very good at classifiers but who cannot shoot field courses. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think from the from the position of coming from doing well in the field course but unable to perform at a classifier, usually comes down to marksmanship fundamentals in my opinion, especially, you know, we talked about Nueva El Prez where you've got, you know, three, all three targets have a no shoot as a part of it. Um, a lot of the clubs, you know, they don't go past 15, 20 yards for a target. And if they do have something out at 20 yards, it's usually going to be open target. Uh, maybe. Well, a lot a of clubs cover. don't like
1: using partial targets at all. Um, I, like I, I've seen, you can watch plenty of match videos and, you'll very seldom see, like, like the stuff USPSA reposts, or what, like, just the people you follow on Instagram post. You very seldom see, like, a field course with, you know, a good amount of no-shoots or whatever. And I remember I... So I posted a video on on the internets... <laughs> the interwebs. Um, of, ...of me shooting the my most recent local match, which was the Fredericksburg-USPSA match. And this one guy comments on a stage... He goes, wow, the, the shooting area on that stage is really small. And I thought he meant the actual, like, area within the fault lines. But he meant, like, the available targets. Um, since there were, of, of the entire stage, which was a 26-round 20, course, I think, there were two or three open targets. Mm-hmm. That's it. And to me... With the way I practice, and Chris has seen me practice, I almost never practice with, open, practice with open targets unless I'm deliberately trying for like ten yards, go fast, don't suck, type work. Yeah, right. Um, I, I will almost never do uh, open targets in practice, so I'm I'm used to it. And like my, my the match I run, it's probably like a seventy percent hard cover or no shoot partial to open target. Uh, to like thirty with like thirty percent open targets, maybe that might be a little exaggerated, but you know you guys get the idea.
0: Yeah, well, it's also because of a space constraint for you guys. Like it, the only way to make the match
1: more difficult.
0: Yeah, because you know if you're if all of your targets are within ten yards, and they're all open targets, then you know it's not exactly the the most fun match, right? Yeah. Um, but you know because of that, a lot of the clubs because they won't run partials, they won't run long distance targets um, you can get very far at a local level without having good fundamentals when it comes to marksmanship Um, and I am a walking definition of that like I've placed pretty well at some of the local matches um, but I (laughs) I really don't know how to shoot a gun still (laughs) it's kind of embarrassing Um, and it's become a difficult after practicing you know all the all my reloads draws um, movement all that stuff the the one thing that's glaring in my performance these days is my ability to hit alphas or to even hit a target <laughs> at a certain distance at some point um and my 25 yard shooting is atrocious um and so I've, I've been practicing it a little bit more but i've also made a couple of gear changes to kind of help facilitate better marksmanship at that range and so yeah.
1: i've i've recently put in a flat medium trigger into my into my open gun which by um, the way i have a flat medium trigger in my gun so it doesn't feel any different to yeah. me but the I've shot Chris's gun plenty of times with a short trigger. The difference is so drastic, especially with Chris's hands.
0: It, yeah, and so it, for me, the medium trigger is actually incredibly uncomfortable um, compared to the short trigger. Uh, I don't think my splits are as fast. I'm not as confident behind the gun at the moment. Uh, but I will definitely say at 25 yards, or even, you know, I shot at 50 yards today with Kano as well. Um, the uh, amount of dot movement on a trigger pull is just so much less because there's less space for my finger to
1: move. Um, and because of that, there's less movement for, I guess, room for error. So what you're saying is you made a gear change to mask your deficiency in fundamentals.
0: In a sense, yeah. But you know, a lot of people go to flat triggers because of that, right? It it absorbs some of that, I guess, with like
1: finger placement for. See, to me, people always say that. To me, it doesn't make a difference because, like, I've I've had ARs like AR-15s with flat triggers, and then most all of my ARs now are all curved trigger bows. All of my 2011s now are curb trigger bows, but, you know, I still shoot glocks. I shoot everything else. But in the end, to me, it doesn't make a difference.
0: I think at some point it doesn't, for sure,
1: um, if you if you have the fundamentals for it. Right. Um, but so for, I think with the, the shorter trigger, I don't think it's so much the shape for you. It's the length.
0: Yeah, mainly because, you know, I, I feel like the short trigger is definitely the right trigger that I should be using. But it allows you to be too sloppy with it. It does, and it, it definitely facilitates a lot more slapping of the trigger. Um, and I well, you know what I, Rob
1: Latham says slap the trigger, it's fine as long as you don't move the gun.
0: Yeah, but I again fundamentally, um, I, I feel like I don't have the discipline or the skill set for that. Um, and so, you know, th- this trigger change has done very good things for me, you know, over the past hundred rounds that I've shot so far. Um, can't, I guess my target's going to test that too today. Um, yeah,
1: Chris's, Chris's 50 yard target now. His 50-yard target today looked like his 25-yard target three months ago. Yeah, and my 25-yard
0: target now kind of looks like my 15-yard
1: yeah, target. Yeah, it is it is a considerable improvement. I don't know if it's because of just because of the trigger or just because that's just what he's been trying to work on. I will definitely say it's the trigger. I'm not going
0: to lie. Um, even in dry fire, yeah. um, just sitting there and pulling the trigger um, – there's just, there's a lot less movement. The, yeah. the action upon the trigger is a lot shorter. So you think
1: just because of the discomfort and because of the way like it works with your body mechanics, it's, it forces you to, like it basically forces fundamentals onto you.
0: Yeah, it's almost like forced discipline. Yeah. Um, it's like trying to shoot iron sights. It's almost kind of like that where I'm, I'm essentially forced to have a, a crisp short trigger pull. Um, despite how uncomfortable it may feel in the hands. I don't um, understand this problem you have.
1: must be nice having normal-sized hands for a person. I was talking about the iron sights um, part, because my vision is guaranteed worse than yours, but, yeah, but again, you still can't shoot iron sights worth a damn, so... Again, uh,
0: the whole experience and fundamentals and all that stuff, um, I still haven't figured out planes of focus yet shooting iron sights.
1: It's <laughs> easy. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, if anyone wants to get really, really good at shooting iron sights... Whether it's a rifle or a handgun, you should shoot NRA service pistol or NRA service rifle. Sounds terrible. <laughs> oh, it is terrible. Because I was telling Chris on the way, on the walk uh, to to the house, because uh, he had to park on the street because he's a dirty poor. What? Just, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> um. Like the level of focus and attention required in high power, is is so much that to me it got to the certain point. I shot both eyes open in my last year of high power. Um, and it was, so it was an easy transition for me to switch to action shooting in terms of, like, bare fundamentals shooting both eyes open, which a lot of people do struggle with. But it would be so bad to the point, like, you know, where you're shooting across the course 600 yards on the, uh, uh I don't remember if it was, like, the SR target or whatever it is. You're spending so much time focusing so hard on the front sight that my, fr- my, my right eye was so fatigued after that 10-minute course of fire that I wouldn't be able to see out of it properly. Like my vision would be obscured out of it for a good twenty minutes or so. Yeah, sounds
0: terrible. Or or you could just shoot uh, red dots.
1: They allow scopes and high power now, so. Oh, do they dots. really? Yeah, it's
0: interesting. Um, but you know, carry optics, open. Either so way, carry optics the future. is dumb.
1: <laughs> Open's all right. Carry optics is just open for poor people.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, one, one common theme from my shooting the past, you know, few years is I've definitely made a lot of gear changes to
1: mask a lack of fundamentals. So you've just made a lot of gear. Yeah. You just, cause you switched in the last, how many years? Three years. Yeah. You've gone from what? Single stack to production, to production, yeah, to, to limited carry optics. or to, to limit. You shot limited for well, a little bit.
0: Well, I shot carry optics first for about two or three months when they still had 10 round magazine limits. And then they had, the, I guess, the weight limit on the guns. Um, but I shot that for, like, two months, and I was like, this sucks. Ten round. Like, I'm, I'm still not having fun because it's ten rounds.
1: And yeah. reloading is hard, and I'm not good at it. And then you shot... Then I went limited, to limited. And then you shot carry optic. You went back to carry yep. optics, and that's when I met you. Yep. And then you switched to open. After about eight months of carry optics, yeah. So you've just done a lot of moving around. So m- may- maybe the fundamentals issue isn't so much for you isn't, maybe it's just not like consistent, maybe it's just consistency, like you haven't stayed in a division long enough to get comfortable with the equipment, carry optics short maybe, that's why you probably had an easy transition to open, Yeah. right, but in Ironside divisions you didn't stay with guns long enough, because I know you went through a few single stack guns and you went, like, and you almost immediately went to production right after that, right? Yeah, Um. but... So, so maybe you didn't spend enough time behind guns that require a certain amount of attention over a gun that's easier to shoot, like a carry optics or an open gun.
0: For from an iron sight perspective, I definitely agree because when I was shooting those divisions, all my live fire pretty much happened at a match, so there's very little effort, you know, put put into the actual growing of skills where it came down to marksmanship, you know, shooting at 25 yards um, with iron sights. I think the first time I did it was actually, I want to say about a year and a half ago when I was shooting carry optics. I had a backup Shadow One. With iron sights on it, you mean the best shadow, best goat, goat shadow. Um, but I think last year, a la- year and a half ago, was the first time I ever took an iron sighted gun out to 25 yards, uh, which is kind of amazing to think about. And you know, looking back today, because that's such a key part of what we do. Despite you know, hoser, hoser courses of fire, or short courses, um, to n- have never taken an iron sighted gun out to 25 yards and work on marksmanship. I don't understand
1: why I had never done that before. Cause you're dumb. Arguably, yes. <laughs> At least when it comes um, to shooting, you're obviously smarter than me when it comes to making uh, business decisions because you make more I, money than me.
0: But that's that's debatable, right? Am I, did I make better decisions? Maybe not. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So you know, I've made a lot of a lot of gear. The
1: dog just let himself outside. <laughs> he just
0: opened the door. What a Chad! Such a Chad. Um, damn dude but yeah so and you know you're there you know consistency that's probably a big part of it but like you said right now at your skill level you can go from platform to platform and it really doesn't affect how you shoot at this point
1: for the most part i'm, I'm still having a little a few issues with the cc <laughs> yeah well
0: that's that's like a gun that's like a gun fit right uh like a body mechanics fit um i suppose
1: but in the end, like, yeah, it doesn't change, right? Yeah, and, and it, From ju- gun to gun. it so just like, becomes
0: some, you know, some small nuances between platforms, but fundamentally, you can still hit a target at 25 yards with yeah. good accuracy. Well, it's like, I have I an easier speak. time,
1: I have an, I have an easier time transitioning to your gun than you do my gun by a fair, by a considerable oh, margin. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe, so.
0: maybe after a little bit, not as much, because, you know, our trigger length will be the same approximately,
1: but... You still have those weird little nubs on your gun. I don't know what they're for. Well, we'll find out because twenty nineteen Del Marva, Chris and I are switching rigs. So I'm <laughs> shooting open, and Chris is shooting limited. So it's gonna be a train wreck. Hopefully, it'll be a nice little hosey, uh hosey match. Uh, it's a Shadowhawk this year. I don't
0: think so. Oh, uh, dude, I'm screwed. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are. Or or I should just practice iron sights a lot and try to get good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, we're what <laughs> mechanics, fundamentals, marksmanship. <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> con is craving attention who's a good boy not him he's freaking moaning yeah but you know um,
0: but you know going back to the whole classifier thing though right i think the reason why a lot yeah of we should really tie this tie this uh knot <laughs> yeah I, I think a lot of the issue we see with classifiers is um again you can get away with so much in terms of performance without core fundamentals that classifiers really push you on accuracy, throttle control. Uh, make
1: Some do. Yeah. like I, I think a lot of 18 series classifiers do a really good job of this. Um, not necessarily the older stuff. Like a lot of the 99 series stuff, and like uh-huh. a lot of the um, is it the the O3 series stuff? A lot of them don't have that.
0: Yeah, um, but I mean, like you know, there's you know, especially nowadays, there's a lot of weak weekend uh, only or strong hand only, um, and you know that, that I would consider that a, f- you know, fundamental skill for gun handling in general, right? Yeah. Um, even things like can you count, right? It, it tests reaction time, it tests good draw, it tests reloads, which you know you consider fundamentals for. But in the shooting. end, so
1: it, it practices all of those things, but it doesn't practice the shooting itself. Yeah so it, or it doesn't have the demand at least yes uh huh like at the same level that like you know the new 18 series would or even like a lot of the fixed time standards yeah would would demand right
0: and so you know i yeah i yeah, you know going back to that you know there's a lot of classifiers that test a particular skill yeah a, a particular fundamental skill for our sport yeah um and i think that's why there's so many people who do well on field courses because they have room for error to fix or to absorb time, that their poor fundamentals made. Well, not then what about the,
1: the field court. courses, like? So you don't see them a lot, um, especially at smaller clubs, and I, I guess in USPSA in general because we like higher hit factor mm-hmm. stages, right? But what if we're talking like field courses? You know, I've shot field courses in Florida State, uh, or or you know that one field course we shot in South Carolina where it, the demand for marksmanship was so high. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the demand was high for that. But, you know, like you said, it's rare. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to marksmanship at the, you know, smaller clubs, some places just have the space limitation where they can't have that demand. You know, and not, you know, not everybody necessarily has access to a club like but that. But a lot of
1: clubs do. Like, like, you look at the base size for a lot of these more popular level one matches that are state by state. They absolutely have the real estate to do that, but I think it's just a USPSA culture thing that it's it's normally like it's it's pretty well accepted to have a hit factor of six plus on a thirty-two round field course. And you know I would agree with that as well. Um, so m- maybe the fi- maybe it's the field courses do eat up more more error, but I think you're definitely still going to see the same error that's reflected in classifiers that demand a level of like, a higher level of marksmanship like the standard's ones and you you'll see the same correlation to the people who can't shoot those stages to the people who can't shoot a stage you know with multiple targets beyond 20 yards yeah. in a field course right yeah. even um, if you have the the time the space to to make it up yeah cuz in um, the end, you're still wasting time to make up the error
0: yeah but you know so i feel like some of those shooters we still see there you know the top 20 or top 30 percentile of a match finish right sure um, yeah and so you know they they may be tanking you know a stage or two which really tests those but in the end when it comes down to the leaderboard or you know the practice score results they still plays pretty well compared to their peers well again
1: look at look at the common stage culture in uspsa though mm-hmm. a lot of it is still just high hit factor pretty open target hosey stuff yeah because it's it's fun it's easy to get into um it's dumb that's what it is it's Arguably, it's, it's, yeah. It's nice uh. to have a blend of both, but I wouldn't enjoy shooting a match. Uh, like, I'll just throw it out there. So I shot Fredericksburg, and it, the normal stage designer didn't do all the stages this, this month. And some of the stages were, it was about a 50 50. 50% were pretty good stages that demanded a certain level of marksmanship and uh, demanded a certain level of throttle control. The other 50% of stages were total hosers. But
0: you know, if I, mean, I we, don't think that's a fair blend. But if we think about you know the the overarching audience of practical shooting, these the people
1: who want to go fast. The,
0: yeah, and like you New know the, the people who don't necessarily take it as seriously as we do, and they just want to go out and have a good time. Um, a hoser is definitely the way to do it. It's probably the best way to have a good time with very little demand on your skills, needing for you know a requirement for you to go practice to make sure that you're you know working and honing these skills to shoot well on a technical match, right? And I think that's why. Ipsic is a, a different beast because it really does push that in a lot of the stage design. And, you know, I, th- I think that's why a lot of people are also somewhat scared. I don't, I don't even know if it's no, scared. Ipsic's just
1: dumb because of the equipment rules. That's th- why
0: Ipsic's dumb. That's its own thing. But, like, let's talk about
1: Florida Open. Not many people, I feel like... W- I think Florida Open's on a different level from an Ipsic match, though, because, like, you look at the stage from Florida Open, they're, like, world shoot level hard.
0: Yeah, but, but like, you know... Because there's, it's such a difficult match, you don't see people flocking to it and say, "Oh, you know, I don't take this sport super seriously, but I want to go shoot Florida." I Open. think it,
1: it does attract a higher level crowd.
0: It does, and, yeah, and you know, absolutely, and right, and like that's not the norm in USPSA, right? Maybe for you know, major matches and nationals, you know, it really brings in those hardcore competitors.
1: But you know, at a at a level one and first, but it's a minority anyway going to major matches if you think about it in the yeah. grand scheme of it, right? Yeah, because you got what thirty. You, you have 31 32,000 members in the USPSA, and each major match you have a few hundred people going and a lo- max 400 maybe yeah and a lot of them are the same people from the same area or for area matches it's a lot of the people same people from across the country going to the exact same yeah
0: match. and you, know, you we, know we've met we've met some really cool people from across the United States at these major matches but you know when you really think about the the crowd that caters to match fees right even in our area, you know, if we think about it, at the larger matches, let's say Shadowhawk 110 people, how many of the how many of them are we actively traveling with to major matches, right? It's, yeah, exactly. It's it's not a it's not a big number. Yeah. And so it's definitely easier for stage designers to appease the competitor, the weekend warrior, or not even the weekend warrior, even the monthly warrior, the one who goes to one match that's close to home.
1: So um, weekend month. monthly warrior, monthly yeah. weekend warrior.
0: And, so, and like, it it can build a complacency for those who are really looking to get into it more seriously because if all you're doing is shooting those level ones and, you know, they're restricted by time, um, money, effort in terms of the stage designer, right, then you're not pushing those skills unless you're
1: actively practicing them on your own. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um, And I think that's just a byproduct of, again, how USPSA just is. Yeah, uh-huh. Right, it's it's just, I wouldn't say it's the people, a lot of it's, well, it kind of is because it comes down to, the match directors obviously want to cater to what their customers want. Yeah. And the customers being the shooter, if they want a certain kind of stage, and a lot of USPSA shooters, like, high-hit factor, you know, hosier stages, so, in the, like, so it's ultimately going to conform to a hosier culture.
0: yeah. And, you know, again, if you're not giving a product that the majority enjoys, then you're not going to sell that product anymore. Um, But I think, you know, going back to the whole classifier thing, though, um, I think even with the high hit factor increase in the classifiers, I'm actually not as upset about it as some people are. Well, so actually,
1: I I do want to touch on that. So a lot of the popular classifiers, and majority of the classifiers went up by, um, and, you know, the more popular ones went up by a considerable amount, and then you have the lower the less popular ones. Sorry. It still went up. But you see fixed-time classifiers, and a lot of the standards classifiers, either didn't change or they were made easier. Mm-hmm. And I think that alone is a good reflection of uh, the direction that USPSA kind of, or the, 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 the direction a lot of shooters go to, like tend to gravitate towards. Yeah. And it's going to be the easier stages, the hosier stages, the stages that require less fundamental skill. And like you look at lightning and thunder which is a pretty easy classifier it's tw- no further than 25 yards the first string and you have five seconds to do six shots at 25 yards. Yeah. <laughs> Objectively a fairly easy. Like that is easy for a C class for a high level C- higher C class shooter in above. That's easy. But it still went down.
0: Yeah, cuz <laughs> even when I was B class I was, you know, throwing 40s or 50% on that mainly cuz you know Bad draw out right. of holster, bad grip, bad trigger press. Um, you know, bad grip for recoil control on you know those follow-up shots.
1: Yeah, so um, I think it's just because a lot of the stages were just made easier because of the leniency allowed in USPSA classifiers.
0: Yeah, and you know, it also comes down to the algorithm, right? Because it's a they pretty much ran a normalization against the new high hit factors that were yeah. being recorded, and so you have a you know a ton of shooters, a ton of your sample set. With very bad percentages for those standards type courses, that you know, the scores don't go up. But you know, for example, El Prez, I think El Prez is ridiculous now. It needs to be like under. El
1: Prez went up like 10, 15%, I think.
0: I think for a GM run, it's like four and a half seconds,
1: all alphas. It's like a 12 hit factor. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's like five seconds flat, 20 and uh, 12 hit factors. I so. think open was like 14. I, I, I'm not. Was it? Yeah. I, it's definitely a In lot limited, it's now. like 12 something and that's basic that's all points in five seconds.
0: Which is still ridiculous, right? and well, if you think about it, you know, turn and draw, you know, it's probably about a second for most people. Reload you're yeah. throwing in, you know, you know, point eight, point eight to a second. You know, I don't see many people who can throw sub point eight reloads. Yeah.
1: And it's like I can um, you and I can both do Close to five seconds, but we're not going to get all the points. (laughs) Hits, though? Yeah, Yeah. definitely not. It's like we're definitely going to be like Alpha Charlie, Alpha Charlie, Alpha Charlie, Alpha Charlie.
0: But, you know, I think that does bring a good point into, you know, what what is lacking in the sport, which is technicality and fundamentals. Like just the fact that we see, you know, the types of classifiers where the high hit factors went up a lot just means that a lot of people can get away with a lot more without having a good core fundamental skill set. Yet still do very well in the sport, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It just kind of shows you the way that the sport is. And you do have to sacrifice accuracy for time in our sport because that's the way that we calculate our hit factors.
1: And I I like to complain about that just because I don't like hosers because I'm bad at them. (laughs) So obviously you should only like things that you're good at. Ugh,
0: technical stage is the worst.
1: Terrible. Right,
0: so. It's okay. I I shot like, I shot awfully at Buckeye Blast and that's. (laughs) <laughs> so that match was, was for you, dude. Yeah, and I shot terribly, so I can't. Yeah,
1: yeah. so like, I don't like, I don't necessarily like, like those like those stages, but you know, being in the U.S. and shooting pretty much only USPSA—that's just the, like, that's something I just have to get used to.
0: Yeah, um, but you know, I feel like as you know, as the skill set is also, not necessarily the skill set, but the skill level of competitors, I feel like is going up. Right, you—we have new people joining the sport every year. And I feel like they're just better than they were even, let's say, four or five years ago.
1: Well, people are better than – yeah, but that's just because of, like, information availability. Yeah. And yeah. the level of competition, the amount of competition now is so much higher than it was before that, like, the, the automatic instant demand threshold is so much higher.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, but I think, you know, because we see skill sets and skills that are coming in higher than they were before – You know, inevitably, I think we're going to see a demand for more technical matches.
1: We'll see. Um, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Uh, But, but hopefully, it's again, it's a culture change. Like people have to get out of the mentality of. You know, a lot of sages a lot of matches have to have thirty-two round field courses. This, this this, yeah. this, 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 blah, 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 blah,
0: blah. But you know, it's it's funny. We, we talk about Christian Siler a lot. Um, he won, was it Area? He, seven? he won Plus? Area One and Area Seven in the back same to weekend. Back. So um, props to him. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people that are that, like, oh, these courses of fire are too easy for these hoser type things because he shoots fast. Like his, you know, his fundamentals are great.
1: He shoots fast, but he was still but, what third, third or fourth at national, yeah. open nationals. Uh, which was an absurdly hard match.
0: Yeah, and but but like his his splits are fire. Like whenever I watch the videos, I'm like, oh, that's that's what I want to be
1: when I grow up. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Um, but the fundamentals still don't change no matter what. They, they don't. The only difference is at close range, you're seeing less information. You know, you need to see less information. Therefore, you can you are allowing yourself to pull the trigger faster. And it's it's like but it's, in the end, you still have to grip the gun properly. Yep. Um, you can afford to to press the trigger a little bit worse, but in the end, like shooters who are very good at shooting close but can still shoot distance very proficiently yeah
0: because you, you see the groups when they shoot up close like i cannot do that
1: yeah um, no so like they know they, they're very well of what they're doing they're very well of what they're allowing to be deficient in those because they have a good foundation
0: yeah and i again i think when, when we see better shooters coming into the sport there's gonna be a greater demand for more technical courses i can only imagine um, but you know, like like you said, you know how soon that's gonna be. I have no clue. I'm hoping it's gonna be within the next five years.
1: Well, I'm um, now helping at more level ones with uh, with uh, stage design, so I'll hopefully be bringing a little bit more difficulty and challenge to yeah. a, uh, to to locals. And you know, some more technicality
0: as well. It's just because in in some of the matches we just don't get that. But it's something that you know. I feel like, especially in our area, we have a lot of guys looking to shoot um, on the, the U.S. world team um, in different divisions out here. Yeah, and, we have a good few people. And I think, you know, they're, they, they've been traveling a lot or they're just not shooting as many matches because it doesn't provide them what they need when it comes to a practice perspective. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, hopefully what we'll see is that, you know, we'll see a higher level of competitor coming out to compete in more technical matches. Yeah. Um, but without losing some of the more regular folks who are maybe not at that level. But, you know, hopefully it'll be a different dynamic to the sport where they're going to enjoy it. They're still going to come out and shoot. Um, and, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll definitely open their eyes in terms of what they're lacking in their shooting capability. Whether they decide to capitalize on that, you know, that's really up to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And, again, this really does... I keep on talking about this culture, but um, I, I just remembered I was watching, like, the 19, like 1995 or whatever USPSA Nationals. Yeah, the
0: one on YouTube that everyone's been sharing? Yeah, with, yeah. like,
1: Rob Latham, Jerry Barnhart. Um, Mr. Michelek himself. Yeah, uh, and, like, Mike Voigt and stuff like that. Yeah. And the difference from the difference from that match to even Nationals now is absurd. Yeah. In, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, hit factors. I, I think Nationals... The Nationals at Frostproof are pretty... Like, they, they all seem pretty difficult. And, like, they're mm. all very... You need an optic to, to complete this match
0: Yeah, proficiently. Like, to, to shoot a completely clean Nats match. I don't, yeah, well, I don't think that happens, but... Yeah.
1: Um, like, just the, the sheer difference in hit factors, in stage design and all that stuff, it's all very reflective of how USPSA has kind of evolved. Um, and obviously you're going to attract more. The more people you attract, the more you're going to need to factor to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Which a lot of people, not to rag on other people, but, you know, most people can't shoot that well. Uh, I think you and I are definitely well above average shooters.
0: Yeah, I would Even say so, Even in USPSA. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you
1: and I aren't winning major matches. You and I aren't the best shooters. Um, and you and I have a, still have a lot of deficiencies to work through, but we're still in the fairly... Um, upper percentile yeah, of skill level. Especially
0: compared to, you know, the USPSA membership, not just, you know, a major match, right, with right, 300 right. competitors or whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, so I, you know, from that perspective, right, we do take it a little more seriously than your average USPSA competitor. Um, but, you know, at the same time, because uh, I don't even want to say we're, we are now the majority for major matches, but, you know, I feel like as competition gets more Competitive, you know, as it becomes more saturated. um, We'll see more people traveling. uh, We'll see more more people competing at the Level 2, Level 3 match. Um, You know, I I just hope we see that change at some point. Um, I like hosers,
1: I'm not going to lie. Because you're good at them. I don't like hosers because I'm not good at them. You know, I... I, I'm more inclined to miss on a hoser hoser stage than I am on a more technical stage. Yeah, Mike's at 5 yards, right? Um, Uh, I did that last weekend. Yeah. So...
0: And then, you know, but, you know, as as a competitor, like, if you truly enjoy competing, um, I don't think anybody is happy where they are from a skill perspective. Like, no one is happy being stagnant. And, you know, the more change we see in the culture of how stages are designed, what what needs to be emphasized to become a top performer, you know, I think will be well accepted by people who are actually interested in competing
1: for a competition sake. Not necessarily just for the fun of it dog is asking to go inside again after he let himself out yeah i just give up he's just gonna be you know what if you hear him whatever
0: yeah well maybe it's a good time to just wrap it up then right we're probably at like 40 minutes or something
1: I, Um, i i think the uh i think the title for this episode is really just gonna be episode 15 or 16 whatever we're on yeah unscripted and rambling yeah unscripted rambling dot dot
0: dot on fundamentals or something kind of Yes, maybe, kind of, yes. We of. did a
1: piss job talking about fundamentals because all we did was just complain about things. Yeah, we
0: just complained about stuff, which is, uh, you know... And, and talk trash on your own shooting.
1: <laughs> well, but like I
0: said, it's something that needed to be done. It's something that I'm working on. Trash-talking you? Well, no, my fundamentals. Oh, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> what, dude? What? <laughs> and hopefully I will smash you at the next major <laughs> issue. So... Oh, you can uh, – yeah. I mean, we might be sharing a bed, so. Oh.
0: <laughs> nice, 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 nice. All right. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been the CSRG Podcast. My name is Chris. My name is Keanu, and Khan is the mouthy one. The very mouthy one. Shoot well. We'll see you on the range.